Ozai and Ndinga for having me here today. Uh, it has been a while that I've been planning to visit you, and this is um, it's a great opportunity for me. And I hope we can spend a few hours together this uh, this Sabbath and uh, enjoy fellowship and learning from the Word of God. I, uh, as as Roy mentioned, I really have a passion for church planting, and I'm very curious to see people doing different things especially in the most difficult of places. And uh, think about cities, and especially in, uh, in, uh, in a country like Australia, it caught my attention. So uh, we've been talking about this uh, for a while. Uh, we met several times on Skype, uh, FaceTime. Uh, uh, one of these, uh, in two, two months ago, I had a chance to come and visit uh, some of you. tomorrow i don't know i may have a lot of you know uh, time to sleep exercise eat and after several weeks i should say of, of a lot of traveling uh, it was very good to have a day off yes uh, that doesn't happen very often i try i try to take the most of my time and but uh, i remember last time i had a day like this and they changed the schedule i was in the middle of the city and i spent a whole day in miami beach park so to visit several places uh, before I go. Uh, but beyond that, I take a break when I go home. And I tell my wife, finally, I'm going to have some vacation. So when I'm home, I really need vacation. And, uh, and I have to go to the office. We have a lot of meetings there. But as you can see, I don't work too much. I'll be traveling. And when if I'm in the office, we have meetings. So it's always there. But it's, um, so this is why when I had a chance to talk to someone like Dinha, Roy, and some of you about their experience in planting church, I, I get excited. So I energize from that. Um, it wasn't too long ago, about a month ago, I was in Manila, uh, in the Philippines. And we had, um, I had to attend some meetings there. So the day is just long. I've been there before, but it was very quick. And the place that I stayed was right in on top of the hill. And I knew because I looked into my phone, and I knew there was a huge lake down the hill. I mean, huge lake. But I couldn't see it because the, of the fog. I couldn't see barely, maybe like 30, 40 feet away. Uh, so two, three days with lots of rain and foggy. Uh, finally. Within a big lake, inside another volcano, uh, it is a large island, and then a small lake, and another island on top of that. It's one of the largest islands um, in the world, and it's a unique place. If you ever go to Manila, make sure you visit, and you can have a good view from Tagay Tai City. That's on the top of the hill. Uh, but I'm mentioning this because, you know, sometimes when you have a rainy day like this or when you're facing some challenges in life and you don't see what is coming or why this ever happened, 
And, uh, you know, bad things happen to good people also. Uh, sometimes you think, oh, be good. God's going to take care of you. Uh, God loves the good boys and good girls. Oh, I can tell you, God loves the bad boys and bad girls too. He loves us all. But sometimes in our lives, in spite of trying to do God's will, of being good, we face challenges in life. And we don't understand what's going on, or we cannot even imagine what's coming. It's like having this view blocked by a dense fog. And um, I thought about this, and how much we lose when we cannot see what is behind that curtain of fog. I don't know if you ever heard this, but you can have like a full acre of block of fog, dense fog, and you can put all that water in a cup of water. Uh, so all the water that you can, you know, cover a whole block of one acre, uh, you can actually put in just in one cup. It doesn't sound much, right? but takes uh, away your vision. And because of that, sometimes you get discouraged or we feel insecure or uh, we don't know what's going on. So I want to challenge you today as you think about um, uh, the needs of keeping a focus and what you think God wants from you. Um, in other words, think about the promise that God has given to each one of us. I heard once that there is in the Bible 365 fear not. Um, unfortunately, that's not true. Uh, if you've heard this before, uh, it's kind of a myth. Uh, even if you look into different um, uh, versions, and I love this one that you use here, uh, there is not, um, uh, this, this is not true. If, if you look to the... Um, uh, in the New King James, you'll find like a hundred, uh, maybe probably 150 times fear not. However, there are way more hundreds of expressions that could be uh, understood as fear not. In reality, there is way more than 365 places in the Bible that this message of trusting the Lord can be, uh, they can be found. So in a sense, there is even more than 365 fear not in the Bible. And um, so I'd like to challenge you today to think about the importance of having a support system like we have in the church or in a small group. And uh, by the way, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, he was, I don't know how much popular is Facebook in Australia. Is that way? Very? Kind of? Okay, whatever. You've heard of him already. Uh, but um, uh, he described the way he uh, thought about developing a community online. And he said that uh, most of the basics of the, the platform that he designed was based in what he understood the principle of small groups and how um, God, uh, Jesus, elaborate a support system for us. And I never heard about this. This is, was just a, a couple of months ago that I read this article. And actually, he describes the way some churches are using small groups as a support system to develop a community that is so important for us to keep on going. I, I, I never thought about this. But um, um, anyway, Jesus is very concerned about each one of us. And especially when we face times in life that we cannot see what is coming, when uh, we feel um, discouraged because what happened in the past, 
and we feel very uncertain about what's coming tomorrow. And one of those uh, situations is described in the, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. So if you can um, uh, follow with me, I'm just going to read a few verses on this chapter, chapter 24 of Luke. This is actually the, the last chapter, the last part of the Gospel of Luke. As you know, there are four important Gospels in, in the Bible. There are four Gospels. The first three, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are similar. Uh, the book of John is a little bit different the way it's structured, and most of the stories um, told in that Gospel are different than the previous three uh, Gospels. But anyway, at the end of these three accounts of Jesus' um, life and ministry here on earth, the last um, uh, chapter, Luke chapter 24, we see a very interesting situation when uh, two disciples were in the road with Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus was with them. And uh, the story starts on the verse uh, 13. And on this, uh, the last part from the uh, verse 13 to the end of this book, there are five questions that Jesus asked. I'm not going to focus on all of them, just the first three of them, if, uh, especially because the last one says um, uh, when Jesus asked, do you have something to eat? And I don't want to ask that, um, that question. No, I know they have something, so you are... You, I, and I'm so glad when I heard the announcement say, if you didn't bring anything, it got you covered. So, <laughs> wow, what a relief, right? Uh, so, uh, and the story here starts on verse 13. It says that um, the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Well, uh, it is interesting to think about uh, the just, you know, um, a few weeks before that, Jesus made it clear that he would be um, put in prison, he would uh, be falsely judged and condemned, and then he would be crucified. And he said, after that, I'm going to rose again, and I want to meet you in Galilee. So if you have a chance to look on the map, you see uh, Jerusalem is on the south and Galilee is on the north. So after the crucifixion, where do you expect the disciples should go? Leaving north to meet with Jesus in, uh, in Galilee. But this didn't happen. Actually, the opposite happened. You see all the disciples staying in Jerusalem, uh, and they were afraid to be caught and also be killed like his, uh, their master was. And just two of the disciples left Jerusalem, but unfortunately not to the direction that Jesus asked them to go. They left to Emmaus, which is on the west side of Jerusalem. And this was about uh, 10, 12 uh, kilometers away from Jerusalem. It uh, was a pretty you know, long um, walk uh, for most of us today, but it wasn't that much on those days. A few hours, maybe three, four hours. We don't know exactly how long it would take. But it was at the end of the day when they really arrived in Emmaus. But what's important for us when we read this story is the dialogue between Jesus and those two disciples. We don't know exactly who they were. Uh, apparently, they were not part of the 12 or 11 at this point. Uh, but um, one of them is uh, identified, the other um, is not. Uh, but the importance is not in the person of the disciples, but the importance that Jesus gave spend some time with them. And then he asked a few questions. Well, why uh, God asks questions? It's interesting to note that because the Bible is full of questions. And especially Jesus, this is his way of teaching. And um, Jesus asked my, more questions than he asked uh, he actually made statements. And a lot of times he answered questions with other questions. 
and looks like this is a, 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 a didactical mode or a style that teachers love to ask. It's uh, like the story of a young boy that went to school for the first time, and when the, the mother came to pick him up and asked how was school, he said, oh, it was awesome. Did you like the school? Yeah, I liked it. Did you like the, your friends? Yeah, I made some new friends. Did you like the teacher? He said, yes, I love the teach my teacher, but it looks like she doesn't know much because she keeps asking questions all the time. So, and God does the same. He asks questions because, well, many reasons. We can think about some of them. When, the, when, when God asks questions, well, make sure that you have this in mind. He already knows the answer. He's not asking because he wants to be informed. He already knows everything. It's like prayer. We don't have to pray to inform God what we need, but um, to show him that we need his help. It's the other way around. When he asks questions, he wants us to realize or, or get in our senses, trying to make sense of what is going on around us, face reality. Double check if you are aware of what is going on. So he asks questions in that sense, more to inform us than to be informed uh, himself. So the three questions uh, that Jesus asked with, for these disciples uh, gives us uh, some uh, clues of about what kind of interest God has for each one of us. First question, so if you want to follow on the verse uh, 17, we, I'm reading from Luke 24, verse 17, and it says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Well, before you, we, we check on those, these um, words of Jesus, uh, remember that Jesus just started walking along with them, but they didn't realize it was Jesus. I don't know the reason, but uh, visiting so many different places, and especially in America, you go to a large city, and you see young people, teenagers, they, it's very popular to use a hoodie, and say they like they have their face cover and they walk like this. You barely see their face. So I don't know if Jesus was walking like that and covering his face. I don't know if he changed his voice. I don't know if it was after the resurrection and something changed on his appearance. The fact is that the two disciples did not recognize that the one that just joined them on the road was Jesus. And that's very unfortunate because it's very sad to know that Jesus is walking alongside with us, and we don't realize that. Can you imagine how much you can miss? If, if, you have the, if you understand that God is on your side, how much can you enjoy his company? You can ask questions and get advice and, and fellowship. But unfortunately, they were missing all that. Well, Jesus asked a question, probably trying to you know, get closer to them, and he asked a very general question, like the one we ask a lot of times to people that we see or we are introduced to, how are you doing? And we just uh, answer, yeah, doing fine, and you, and that's it. But we actually don't want to know how things are going, right? If you meet someone and you ask, how are you doing? And the person starts complaining, or it's a long story of everything that goes that went wrong for the last week or last month, everything that's wrong in school, at home, or in your uh, uh, workplace, you don't expect that, right? You're going to think this per person is crazy, right? Or unbalanced, or has some kind of psychological problem. Because we do not expect that. Well, number one, when Jesus asked this general question, why are you talking uh, so intently as you walk along? He asked about 
the reason of their conversation. It was very superficial, that question. But he was interested on the temporal needs. He wants their personal attention. That's, that's the reason he asked that question. Uh, I, I read once that Blaise Pascal, a French philosopher, uh, had this insight about the power of questions. He said, we are as a rule more easily persuaded by reasons we have discovered by ourselves than by those which have occurred in the minds of others. So think about this. When I ask a question or when you ask me a question and I think about to answer that and then I found out something that I haven't thought before, that's way more powerful than you just coming to me and saying, listen, you're doing this or that. Because we don't like it, right? Well, I don't know how it works for you, but my home, it doesn't work very well. I try to do this uh, several times with my wife, but it doesn't work. Uh, and uh, so it's better in our conversation instead of just telling people what to do, asking questions and trying to dialogue instead of giving orders. So questions are unique in their power to make difference in someone's life. They stood still, their faces downcast. They were talking about something, a topic that was very sad because they were disappointed. was something that took place in their life just a few hours ago. Two or three days. Those last two or three days have been very disappointed for them. But Jesus didn't stop there. He is... Uh, Jesus is interested in our personal life, in the daily things that happen to our lives, but he's also interested in our emotional needs. And he asked a second question. What things? Tell me about it. Tell me more, in other words. So it wasn't just a, um, a superficial question, or just a question to make a contact, and uh, you realize that I'm here walking along with you. He was really interested in, in getting getting more uh, uh, in, in, in a deeper conversation, develop a deeper conversation with them. Uh, there is a book, a well-known book called Desire of Ages that describes or tells the story of Jesus. And this book says the disciples wondered who this stranger could be. That he should penetrate to their very souls and speak with such earnestness tenderness, and sympathy in which such hopefulness. Who was this stranger? C.S. Lewis once said that two heads are better than one, not because either is infallible, but because they are unlikely to go wrong in the same direction. So dialogue is always profitable. And now Jesus is developing a deeper conversation with his uh, two disciples. And when he asks, what things? Then they start saying, well, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. And they start describing their perspective about Jesus' ministry. It's hard to believe that Jesus himself was there talking to them and they didn't realize I believe was intentionally God's will that he didn't reveal himself right away. They would have missed a lot to find out by themselves the reality that Jesus had resurrected. And then comes the third question. So, see, Jesus is interested in our daily life. 
Number two, he's interested in our deeper feelings, in our emotional needs. But number three, he's interested in something else that is even more important. And then he asks, and it's on verse 26. If you're following the reading, it's, um, this is on page 850, uh, the last few lines. Um, Luke 24, verse 26, it says, Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? In other words, Jesus was now talking not just about temporal things, not about uh, psychological needs, but he, was, he starts a conversation about something that is even more important, about our future, about spirituality, about uh, developing a spiritual conversation. He was interested on their personal transformation, meeting their spiritual needs. Um, about two years ago, I, I met a young lady. I well, let me make up, back up a little bit. Uh, we moved to Maryland. Uh, we used to live in, in New York, and we moved to Maryland about two years ago, two and a half years. And we bought an old house that had a lot of things to be uh, updated. And one of the things we did was to um, uh, put hardwood floor in the house. And I found a, a young man that had, you know, he's a profession on that. And he spent almost a week working at home, doing this uh, job for us. And in our conversation during the week, um, I found out that his wife has been attending church, but he's not uh, very active. And I took the advantage of, in our conversations, trying to get closer to him, and we made an appointment. He decided to study the Bible with me. So I said, mm, that's a good opportunity. I, I made a schedule so we could meet at the church and get a, and get a Bible study. Uh, right after um, worship. So in that way, I thought he would go to church along with his wife. And this is what we planned to do, and uh, the following um, Sabbath, we were there at the church. I wasn't planning to attend that church for uh, several reasons. One of the main reasons is the service is too long there, and uh, they finish almost 2 in the afternoon. I knew that, so I wasn't planning to attend that church I mean, on a regular basis. But that was the church that his wife was attending, so we made plans to go there. And uh, he was there, and, uh, and we had a fellowship um, um, lunch, and uh, we're supposed to start the Bible study right after lunch. But something uh, happened. Uh, there was a girl, she was um, finishing a, a master program in Washington in one very important school, and uh, she has been studying the Bible. She had studied the Bible for a few years already, and she checked on the internet different um, churches and their teachings, and she decided to check it out to the Adventist church, and she came. First time she walked into the church, but because she was far away and I have to take two different uh, trains to get there, she came late, and she arrived uh, for lunch, uh, which is good, right? Anyway, so you missed part of the service, but uh, you still got something good. And uh, so we sat down at the same t table, and then I told her after, you know, during our conversation that I was about to start a Bible study with this uh, young man that was there, and said, oh, I'd love to, to join. And she joined us. Well, to make the story short, in the following year, um, that young man came maybe two or three times during the whole year, but that girl never missed one uh, service. Even when I was traveling, uh, she was there. And at the end of the year, we, had, uh, we developed a, a small group ministry, and we had a series of training for leaders, a small group, and she was there. 
she actually was the person that took initiative to coordinate the communication between the leaders. Then we have 10 days of prayer in the church, and uh, she also volunteered to help coordinate in that. And I remember one of the days that she was not even a member of the church, but uh, the pastor was late, and she called her to you know, coordinate the prayer meeting. Uh, he didn't call any of the elders, so they were not there. But that young lady starts working, leading out in different areas. Well, to make it even, you know, uh, summarize that part of the story, uh, three months later she went to Andrews, and she is uh, taking the second semester now uh, in the master's uh, program at Andrews. Uh, she's a member of the church, and she plans she's planning to be a missionary. Uh, so uh, you you never know. You make plans for something or like someone, like we had expectation for that young man, but God sent someone else. And we could understand why, but today I can imagine that the Lord had other plans. I still have some contact with that young man, but uh, he kind of uh, told me, well, I have interest, but not now. Uh, when time comes, I'll get back to you. So I'm waiting for that. Uh, but Jesus started talking to those uh, disciples because he never gave up. Even when we are doing something that is not according to God's will, he gave specific instructions, go to Galilee. And he took, they took another direction. He gave so many information and, and biblical basis for the meaning of his ministry and what would take place in the future, but they forgot everything. So the past has been for them uh, very um, uh, difficult to understand. The, the present was uh, totally um, um, uh, um, uncertain for them. And the future was un unpredictable. They had no hope. Until that moment, they, they start talking to Jesus, and they realized that everything that he had taught them in the past was, trying, was, was starting now to make sense. I was reading one of the stories that uh, about um, a well-known uh, writer, Ellen White, and she had, um, well, uh, two of her sons uh, passed away. One is a baby, the other one is a teenager. And you can imagine 120, 150 years ago, uh, New England, in the northeast of the United States, their the life expectancy wasn't that high. The problems with the different, you know, tuberculosis and, uh, and other um, diseases take was taken away so many lives. Uh, but the younger son of this family, Edson, uh, he had some personal problems. He walked away from the, uh, for a couple of decades from the fellowship of the church and the close circle of the family. And, um, and her mom wrote him a letter. This letter is from September 11, 1874. So think about the, this letter as a mom uh, writing to a son that have been walked, uh, walking away uh, from, you know, the, the, the way that she, uh, that she expects, she had plans for. And then she said, as she wrote to, to her son, we are forming characters for heaven. No character can be complete without trials and suffering. We must be, be tested. We must be tried. Christ bore the test of character of our, of our behalf that we might bear this test in our own behalf through the divine strength he has brought to us. 
Christ is our example in patience, forbearance, meekness, and lowliness of mind. In other words, life is not easy. Or, even worse, life is not fair. Most of the time. But we cannot get discouraged because of that. Or I'm not trying to blame God or blame others. That's just the reality of living a world, in a sinful world, where life is not fair. So if you face today's challenges in your personal life, whatever it is, it could be financial problem, emotional trauma, uh, difficulties in relationships at home, or, or problems in the work, or whatever uh, plans that you had and you're not able to fulfill, uh, don't worry, because at the end, and it's not that philosophy of don't worry, be happy. This is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if everything is not right or the way you expect, don't worry because at the end, everything will be all right. If not all everything all right right now, it's because it's not the end yet. And I can tell you, I read at the end of this book when it says in that book that, that it's called Revelation, at the end of the story, it says that everything will be all right. If not all right right now, it's because it's not the end yet. But at the end, it will be all right. I, I remember seeing a video clip, uh, the story of um, a young man called um, Derek. And this took place in 1992. And you've probably seen or heard of this story. During the Olympic Games uh, in the 400-meter dash at the Summer Olympics in, in Barcelona in 1992, Derek was one of the favorites. He, was, um, uh, he could easily have won that uh, race. But he was forced to withdraw 10 minutes, uh, just a few seconds before the race do, uh, started. He felt uh, a strong pain on his uh, ankle and starts uh, uh, limping. His father was in the stands cheering, and when he saw that, he raced to security. And just a few meters before the, 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 the finish line, uh, he couldn't race, uh, race anymore. And his father came to him and said, son, it's over. No, the winner already crossed the line. But he said in tears, I'm going to finish the race. And even though you have paramedics on his side trying to convince him, just lay down, uh, we're going to carry you out, he continued with very difficult, continue dragging himself to the finish line. When his father realized his desire to continue running, uh, he just hold him and give him support and said, if you are going to go to the end, I will be with you. At that moment, when a lot of difficulty and pain, Derek Raymond was continued uh, uh, walking towards the finish line. You can imagine 50 or 60,000 people applauding and cheering for him. I don't know. I never read about the name of the person that won that race. But till now, so many years later, Derek Redmond is still famous as the one that crossed the finish line. See, God doesn't expect you to be the first. But as a father, he wants you to finish the race. Life is not fair. 
you can face disappointments, you can face a lot of challenge in life, but I can assure you that at the end, it will be all right. See, the remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas you, if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. My kids, uh, well, especially my daughter, she was a teenager when she came to me and said, we have two kids, a boy and a girl. The girl is older and she was a teenager. Now she's 32. But when she was a teenager, she came to me and said, Daddy, stop telling stories about us when you are talking or preaching. And I, I really, you know, uh, finally I stopped. So I now I, I tell stories about my grandkids. And, uh, and Sophia was, uh, this was, I think, about a year ago. So she was five and a half maybe, and um, my daughter starts uh, working outside again, and my son-in-law uh, got the kids. They were, before going home, they stopped by in a Chinese restaurant to eat something before heading home. And uh, at the end of the meal, you know this, I don't know if they have here in Chinese restaurants the fortune cookie. I actually found out that they was invented by the Japanese, but it became very popular in North America. I mean, they produce three billion fortune cookies a year. It's unbelievable. Okay, and inside, if you ever had that, inside there is a, a, a little message. Sometimes, it's, uh, I mean, we are not superstitious. We, we don't believe in those lucky numbers or stuff like that. But sometimes you can read some very interesting, uh, you know, words there. And she opened up uh, her, you know, fortune cookie and was written uh, a short phrase saying something you've been waiting for a long time will happen soon. And uh, she was not even in the first grade, but she was starts reading. And in some you know, challenges, she read the phrase, and then she looked at Daddy and, uh, and said, Daddy, Jesus is coming soon. And when he comes, all the trouble, all the challenges, all the disappointments, everything that doesn't make sense today will make sense, and everything will be right. One day, one day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day where sin was as black as could be, one day they led him at Calvary's uh, mountain, one day they nailed him to die on a tree, one day the grave could conceal him no longer, one day the stone rolled away from the door, one day the trumpet will sound for his coming. One day the skies with his glories will shine. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day, one day, he's coming. Oh, glorious day will be that day when all our troubles will be over and everything will be all right. Do you believe in that? Amen? Me too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because in your word we find so many uh, promises that you will be with us. Even when we face challenges that we don't understand or we don't realize that you are in our side, we, we believe, Lord, that you are with us. Give us the strength to keep on going, to finish the race, and we 
uh, your company and your support and your guidance help us, Lord, to succeed at the end and be prepared to leave with you for eternity. We ask this in Jesus' name.